Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 181 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Ken Olo. Ken Olo was nine years old when he stole his father's camera. And fueling his curiosity, he began to learn the craft of photography, a move which he later said saved him. Now, whilst his family didn't have the resources to send him to college, Ken honed his skills and became a wedding photographer, which later helped pay for his tertiary education. So after completing his studies, rather than pursue his passion for photography, Ken accepted a position in corporate communications at an energy company in Uganda, but soon ended back in Nairobi, working on a documentary for the World Bank on Sanitation. Now, he produced a short film called Living in a Bucket, and it was a project produced by youth filmmakers from Kibera, the largest slum in Kenya and all of Africa. And it was the first time that Ken stepped away from behind the camera to play the role of a teacher. So in that same year, Ken started Filimujuani, which translates to films in the sun in Swahili. And he wanted to give a voice to those children living in the Kibeta slum and Kenya's other vulnerable communities. So in 2018, when he started Filimujuani, he began it with a mission to train and mentor young women and men to tell their own stories using video and photography. Just as Ken photographed weddings to put himself through school, he wanted to give Kenyan's youth the opportunity to earn money so that they could get education and create a better future for themselves and their families. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Ken's insights into telling powerful stories with digital media. We'll get his insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Ken believes can be done to best prepare our youth for future challenges. So Ken, thanks very much for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for having me. It's our pleasure. So to kick things off, Ken, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise and education sectors, expanding a little bit on that story that we started with? Well, I think I fell into it. I don't think I started out thinking I want to be a social entrepreneur, I want to get into social enterprise, but I love taking pictures. I mean, my father says from age nine, I was just curious about, about cameras. And I just love that. And I went to, to one of the slums in Nairobi called uh, Kibera. And, um, and some youth kept interrupting my shots. They kept on like uh, walking behind, I mean, like, rather in front of the camera and uh, doing these dance moves, like walk like an Egyptian and they <laughs> laugh around, laugh and come around, around to see if they could see it. Of course, they couldn't see what they just done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I opened the viewfinder and I asked them to see what I was doing. And for the next, I think, half hour, they just kept quiet. And uh, I had these, like, 20 youth uh, students around me uh, just to get what I was doing. When I was done, they asked me if I could uh, 
help them. So I was like, hmm, sure. Um, and what began with uh, me going in now uh, with my, my camera and uh, my laptop and my girlfriend's laptop, now my wife's laptop, with two laptops uh, blossomed into this. But I just realized um, it was something which I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed photography and uh, uh, teaching someone or just showing them what I do. So it doesn't even uh, a feeling like I'm, 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 I'm trying to bring in new skills. No, they're just sharing what I know. Yeah. And uh, these high school students I was working with eventually started saying they wanted uh, to be able to pay their high school fees because their parents were not able to pay their fees. And we began doing weddings with them. So high school students would come on Wednesdays as an after-class program, and on the weekends would go out and do weddings. So we'd have like 15-year-olds being camera people. And uh, weddings in Kenya are intense. But also, on average, you get maybe about $400 or about $300. And for them, that's what they needed, $300 US in a year to pay their high school fees, mm. which some of their parents could not pay. So after doing two or three weddings, they were set for the year. So that's, that's how it, it flowed. Then the high school students go to a place where now they're college age, I mean, four or five years after being there. And uh, the weddings were not doing it anymore. And we began doing uh, corporate events. We'd do workshops. We'd do seminars. And we eventually morphed into doing um, TV commercials and finally television shows with the same students I had been with now for like seven to about 10 years, some of them. Wow. So that's how we just morphed and realized we're now a social enterprise. But I, I think we'll come back to that uh, on, on how the moment I realized in the social enterprise. So I'll kind of share that later. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. It's a, it's a fascinating story, Ken. So as founder at Philemon Giovanni then, tell us a little bit more about this organization and the impact that you create each year. All right. When we began, the main idea is that how do you get uh, uh, youth from the slums to be able to earn money, pay their way through school, through high school, through college with their own skills. And we realized that when you hire like a wedding photographer or a camera person, you never ask them, send me your resume, send me your, your CV. You ask them, show me your portfolio, show me what you can do. Mm. So we felt like we had an edge in terms of opening an opportunity uh, for them. So in, 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 in doing that, we, we noticed that uh, also <laughs> the demand was so high. Like uh, in a year, we'd take 12 students and take them through the program, but we'd always, we were always oversubscribed. We had about attempted a waiting list of about 400 students waiting to come in. Wow. Uh, but this year, we've changed our model a bit. We have partnered with, uh, with one of the, the, the leading commercial banks in Kenya called Kenya Commercial Bank. And we're able to now train about uh, like 100 students in, in a short time, in about three months or so. So even that partnership has helped us. Now we're at a place where we are we're training close to about, uh, yeah, we're training about 110 students in a year. And these students eventually go and start their own production studios. They go and um, uh, get employed in the, uh, in the industry. Or some of them, this becomes like a life skill. It's not everyone who becomes a photographer, <clears throat> but having skills in communication allows you to be, I think, a more robust human being, so to speak. Mm. So even if they go and become teachers or whatever trade uh, they engage in, then they have a life skill that they can, that they can use for their entire lives. So that's, that's really a nutshell uh, what we are trying to do as an organization to use video and photography to help the youth from uh, informal settlements or in the fringes of society to be able to tell good stories using uh, videos and and and, uh, and, uh, 
and pictures, but also to be able to maybe change their own narrative. Because if you're in the slums, your story is always told by an outsider, it's always the other. And chances are some of us don't see the flower or, or budding in the slums or something good coming out. Mm. So when you understand the power of communication and story, then you're able to change your narrative. And if you can change your narrative, then you're able to change your community's narrative. I mean, so that's sort of like the big thinking we have uh, behind what we are trying to do. Wow. Well, it sounds like really rewarding work. And I'm sure you've come up against many challenges, Ken. So in leading Philomu Juani, what have been some of these big challenges and how have you navigated your way around them? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think some of, the, some of the big challenges just include uh, uh, just the perception that people who are poor are not skilled. Like if you hear uh, the young person you're hiring is from a slum, you're like, all of a sudden you drop the bar, you're like, they won't deliver, you know. Mm. So my wife was an economist. She's way smarter than me. I wish she was here speaking. Um, <laughs> one day told me, the name Flamujuani is great, but um, if people know that the youth you're bringing in are from the slum, they won't give you work. And sure enough, I noticed a trend when people would hire us and they hear we're bringing youth from the slums to work. Sometimes they try, they try and lowball us, take the price of it down, mm. or all of a sudden the work would disappear. So she came up with this brilliant idea where an entire uh, start uh, a separate company called Zindua. So that's uh, Z-I-N-D-U-A, which just means reveal. So Zindua is now our, our social enterprise, so to speak. It's our market facing. It's what we use to engage big banks, big corporates. And they don't have to know that the camera lady is a girl from the slums. Mm. They don't have to know that. All they have to know is that this person can deliver, you know. Yeah. So changing that perception that people or youth from the slums are maybe not very skilled or uh, when they come to your event, they'll steal. So part of it has just been changing perceptions outside. But also inside, uh, some of our students have lived through this narrative where they doubt what they have to offer, you know. Yeah. And that, that's just because of what they've seen in the media or it has been repeated over and over outside there, that you're from the slums, you're poor, you're not skilled. So to show them that this is not tokenism, when you get recruited, you're being recruited because you're good, you're being recruited because you can deliver, you know? Yeah. And to actually push them an extra step and say, people will always judge you. So how do you become the best of the very best? So our students can do video, photography, they can do sound. They're almost like a, like a marine corps of film production. You have to be able to edit, to shoot, to animate so that uh, if someone tries to judge, you don't see that you're really, really exceptional. So you have to mm-hmm. work extra harder. So changing perceptions outside in terms of how the market perceives our people, but also internally in terms of uh, uh, showing our students that, uh, yes, you have what it takes uh, uh, to, to make it out there. Yeah. Wonderful. So it's really about giving them those skills to be strong storytellers and, and also those soft skills as well, you know, the, the confidence for them to, to take their skills mm-hmm. forward. Yes. Hard skills are good, but sometimes you also have to work, like we say here in Kenya, someone's software, you know, like how they see themselves, how they see the world. So that matters too. Skills is one, but also you're you are changing stories which have been told or which have cemented in their lives that maybe they're not good enough. So that's also part of the work. So also being able to make that as a key component in our training is, is important too. Yeah, wonderful. So so what tips then would you have, Ken, for the social entrepreneurs out there or other people listening to help them craft and tell really powerful stories that create change? I think for me, the tip is that uh, you can't build alone. You have to build with a community. The community you're trying uh, 
to change or you're trying to bring a, a like positive change in, you have to be rooted in that community. Mm. You have uh, to see which other pieces affect what you're doing or who are the other partners. So you have to partner with people. So it's amazing that we are entrepreneurs, you can go somewhere and just start. But I think the humility or to have a posture of who else do I need in my corner or in my team, uh, whether it's um, uh, the schools, the principals I work with, the teachers, uh, the parents of the students I work with, the community leaders. I've seen over and over that the more people you have on your team or around the table, uh, the easier it is for uh, the ideas they feel in the community or for um, your ideas to get accepted. So, yes, it's good to work and to, to start alone, but um, start with others. And also identifying as early as possible who are some of the people who take over after you. Because social entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship is hard. You're trying to uh, make a profit, but you're also trying to be sustainable. You know, So yeah. there's a ton of burnout around social entrepreneurs. So one of the key things to do is to figure out who can take over after you and start like grooming or raising up uh, future leaders who take over in the community. Because once the community sees one of them leading or one of them at the forefront of the organization, then that shows them that this is their thing. There's no more ownership. So don't go alone, go with others. But also, even as you're there uh, doing your thing, identify uh, two or three key people who can run with this. So that just uh, helps the work to spread and also just uh, uh, improves uh, the ownership in the community. Mm, they're excellent insights there, Ken. So how have you seen the social enterprise sector transform and change over the last five years or so in Africa? I think in the last five years, what I've seen is more social enterprises looking at the market and seeing how they can become profitable just with them without everyone has been saying about around, around donor fatigue or the yeah. other areas that are partners or people who are sponsor most social enterprises are looking at other opportunities. So most social enterprises have been forced to really be creative in terms of how do they uh, bring in money and to wear like a business hat to have one leg in the market where you're trying to understand what the, the consumer, what your customer is looking for. So that sort of agility is something I'm seeing coming in where, yes, we want to impact the community. That's a good thing. And it's what uh, most of us are doing uh, in organizations. But without having a customer, a paying customer on the other side, uh, this is not sustainable. So I think that has been the biggest thing. We're right? coming up with products and services that are really, really geared towards the market. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic insights. So I'd love to touch a little bit on on the youth again. More broadly, I mean, we spoke about those hard skills and soft skills, Ken, but where do you see key opportunities to help our youth best be prepared for the current and future challenges? So... The, the whole idea about uh, preparing the youth for the future and just where we are as a, as a continent, uh, we are a youthful continent. I mean, the median yeah. age in most countries in Africa is 19 years, mm. you know, so that's uh, just past, almost past adolescence. You know, yeah. We are teenagers, so to speak. One of the, the things which I feel uh, we can do better is to 
prepare the youth to be able to think or to consider multiple careers or opportunities. Uh, we're in a place where you, it's very hard to be in the same field for 15 years or for 12 years, like what our parents used to do. But also the market is changing so quickly. Things are coming up very fast, whether it's apps, whether it's new ways of doing things. So how do you become that sort of a person who can morph as needed? You're almost like a shapeshifter, you know? Mm, yeah. So that means you need to have like a, the sort of skills that allow you to, to do all that. And I think the biggest skill for me then, which I'll put on top of my list, is uh, uh, just being a creative problem solver. I know it's such a big word, but I think in a nutshell, it's just um, how do you look at the world through the lens of what are the opportunity, what are the needs, and how can I fulfill them? Because mm. if you're always fulfilling a need, if there's somebody on the other side who would want that service or that product you're offering, then you're in business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And most of our youth won't be able to get uh, uh, the formal jobs, uh, the desk jobs that uh, I, I think were being sold in the past. But now you have to be able to start and start in your own. Uh, how do you build relationships? How do you network? Uh, so it's easy to go um, online on YouTube or on like on Linda.com or uh, uh, plural sites and just learn something, learn how to program, learn how to code. But just because I'm building a, a good website or I'm creating good apps, I mean that, that those will sell themselves. I have to go out there and, and get customers. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice that you can sit at a, on a laptop somewhere and learn something new, learn a new programming language. But unless we are facing uh, clients, unless we learn how to sell, how to position ourselves, how to listen to uh, what the, some of the clients need, then we won't be able to get there. There's some great insights there, Ken. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently which are creating some fantastic positive social change? Well, there's a friend of mine, a company in Nairobi, uh, they're called uh, Cloud Factory. And uh, what I like about the model is that uh, they come and, and train the youth on how to do uh, jobs online. It's almost like a gig economy, but now you're doing um, whether it's uh, working with companies in Silicon Valley that are trying to to make self-driven cars, and you're here in Kenya helping them to to come up with a with a better way of their of their car sensing, whether it's a person, whether it's a car, or it's a, a tree. You know, mm. so getting youth from from areas where they'll never get an opportunity, maybe they'll never get an opportunity to work with some of those big companies and uh, engage them or allowing them to work with the, with, the, with the companies out there. So I think for me, Cloud Factory is uh, setting a trend in terms of uh, how to work with the youth or how to position the youth for them to be able to work with the uh, big companies uh, in the US, in Europe, and, and, and around the world, you know. So skilling a young person and putting them in a place where they're talking to these uh, corporate giants, you know. Mm. One, what I like about it is that it helps them see where they can go in terms of a career, so they're able to, to, to see the big picture, but also just uh, the, the, the discipline of uh, working by yourself, which is one skill, but also being able to come in a team and report this is what you've been able to do. So they have like weekly check-ins. So they have done a very good, um, they've a very good program in terms of uh, allowing you to work from home, but also to engage with big corporates. So Cloud Factory would be one of the big ones for me. 
Fantastic. Well, I'll stick a link through to it in the article, Ken. So to finish off mm-hmm. then, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Oh, I, I think uh, Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great Any Day. You mm. know, I, I think learning from the, the failures of others, I think, allows us to be humble or to see uh, what, what we can do differently. But uh, one of my mentors uh, is called uh, Tony Chan. Uh, uh, sent me this idea. It's called, I think, uh, the Hedgehog Concept, which is also by Jim Collins. And it just says that um, there are three circles, which uh, is more like a Venn diagram. And at the, uh, in another circles, you've got what you're passionate about, what are you deeply passionate about. In another circle, you've got what can you be the best in or the best at in the world. You know, then on the, on the, in the last circle, you've got your economic engine, what drives you. Mm. So as a social enterprise, what are you passionate about? So I'm passionate about photography. I'm not a baker. I don't care so much about cake, but <laughs> I love photography, you know? Yeah. So that, that is something I see myself doing till I'm no more. Then uh, what can we be good at? Uh, how do you create uh, content that can get into the Netflixes or or all these other big platform. Um, I think we have the resources to do that. Then on the other side, you've got what's our engine. But yeah. I think when those three things come together, then you find your sweet spot. So for me, uh, the head of concept, if it's beyond the book, that's a concept I tell uh, social entrepreneurs to look at. One, it saves you from burnout, allows you to be at a place where you're able to, uh, to pay your bills or to run your organization well and be profitable but also puts you in a place where you're competitive because you keep on asking what can you be uh, best at in, in the entire world, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a great concept. So I'll stick a link through and, uh, and people will be able to find that book in the article. So Ken, thanks so much for sharing your generous insights and time and experience today. We really, really do appreciate it and it'll be great to watch your journey and Philemon Giovanni's journey as you continue into the future. Well, thank you for making time and for putting uh, a, a spotlight on social enterprises. I feel like uh, in our part of the world, and I think I guess in the rest of the world, um, they provide a needed service in terms of changing the world or allowing some people who may not be able to maybe get opportunities to get opportunities. So, so thank you for, for the work also you're doing in terms of just putting a spotlight on social enterprises. God, it's our absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.